listening to the Ed Reach Network. Ed Gamer, episode 61 on Ed Reach. Gaming the past with Jeremiah McCall. This is Ed Gamer for Saturday, July 21st, 2012. Ed Gamer is part of the Ed Reach Network, edreach.us, giving education a voice. A big voice. This show is dedicated to education gaming on any platform. We'll give you the education angle on any type of games, ranging from tabletops to MMOs. We'll discuss how these games impact student learning and how they can be used effectively within the classroom. I'm Zach. And I'm Jerry. And our guest today is Jeremiah McCall. Jeremiah, tell us a little bit about yourself. Hi, I'm Jeremiah McCall. I teach uh, high school history at Cincinnati Country Day School, uh, and I'm the author of Gaming the Past, a guide to using video games in history classrooms. Very cool. Very cool. I wish I could write a book someday, Jerry. Yeah. Oh, yeah. it's in you, I'm sure. <laughs> I like to read books. <laughs> I like to read books. I thought you were an art teacher, don't you? Yeah, I like to draw pictures. Yeah, see, there you go. Okay. <laughs> Jerry, tell us about yourself. My name is Jerry James, and I'm a visual arts teacher in Schaumburg, Illinois. And my name is Zach Gilbert, and I'm your host. I'm a sixth grade social studies language arts teacher from Normal, Illinois. And today we have our guest from Cincinnati, and that's Jeremiah McCall. And uh, Jerry's, I think, is going to be bored today because we have two <laughs> history teachers that like history a lot. Absolutely. Oh, not, not bored. I'm going to learn a lot. Going to learn, right. We can tell I, stories. I have love for the state of Ohio. I have a lot of family in Marietta. So and plus, you can draw. You can draw while we talk. You can make yeah, the illustrations. Yeah, I'll, I'll be coloring on my tablet screen. Oh, excellent. <laughs> there you go. So uh, we found Jeremiah through um, Games and uh, Games Learning Society uh, from Madison. He did a keynote for the Educator Symposium. I contacted him, and we said, hey, we need to get you on the show, and uh, let's discuss some of uh, – let's discuss your book and some of your projects and what it, what you've done. And you've kind of have a little uh, – you have a little history of your own and how you got where you're at and what you do. So, uh, Jeremiah, why don't you tell us about that? Sure. Well, I, I, I started by getting a Ph.D. in ancient history because, you know, that's the most marketable thing anybody can do in the world. Big um, money. Oh, yeah, huge money. And I thought that I would probably do that, uh, and I fell in love with high school teaching somewhere along the way pretty early on, and I've been doing that for 12 years now. Uh, and pretty quickly wanted to play around with uh, simulation games. I mean, that, that's not my, my starting place. My starting place is, is that I really wanted my students to practice history as a discipline, to learn the skills of source criticism and argument and analysis and, and interpretation. But uh, I always felt that simulation games would, would be a great part of that. Um, so I've been teaching now for the last 10 years at Cincinnati Country Day School and have had the advantage of one-to-one -one laptops, uh, a really rich computer technology program. And so about seven or eight years ago, started to experiment with simulation games in the classroom. Uh, and it must have been 2005, Kurt Squire found me here through a, a parent, a friend of a friend or something like that. Uh, and brought me out to L.A. to talk uh, at the Education Arcade about Civilization Three in the class. Um, and since then, I've, I've had enough good responses to what I've been doing that I just kept working more and more in the classroom on uh, developing good uses of history games. And about maybe two years ago, I was in a strange position where I said, you know, there really needs to be a book on this. Um, and so I started 
uh, sort of as an act of faith, uh, writing up my experiences, the things I'd done in the classroom, organizing it all. And uh, Routledge published it last year. So um, that's kind of where cool. I am now. Very cool. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> the time to write a book. I, that's one thing that I wish I, I could do because it's, uh, you know, I think all teachers have some story to share and, and, and I, I, at least I think it's interesting. And so I do need to get your book though, Jeremiah, and we got to, I, I, I need to look that over. Oh, I'd and, love it if and you did. peruse it. That'd be, I think that'd be very cool. So what are some of the things, I, I guess from your book, what are some key points from your book and, and what does it, I get, is it mainly for educators? Is it for parents, um, academ yeah, academia? Yeah, mainly for educators. Um, I, I really had a vision that I wanted to reach teachers. Uh, my sense of the, the big problem we still face trying to use video games in the classroom is that there are still not a lot of concrete practical you know, uh, uh, there is not a lot of concrete practical advice um, for teachers out there. Jerry mentioned this on a couple of episodes back. Uh, I think, didn't you say something about Jerry when you got out of GLS? You were you were dazzled, but there wasn't a lot of stuff where you said, I know how to plug this in right now and, and use it. Yeah, I think that's a comp, a, a pretty, um, where's where are my words? Where'd I go? Uh, pretty, um, <laughs> Common, there it is. You know, it was a big one. A pretty <laughs> words, <common>. Jerry. Words. <laughs> pretty common theme um, among conferences. There's too many c words all at once. That's what it was. Yeah, I understand. Um, yeah. So you know, I, there's always so much great information, but it's always so hard. And you see people doing these amazing things that they've dedicated all this time to, and it's it seems like a lot of times you get that Monday morning blues where it's like, I want to implement this stuff, but I don't know how to do it without drastically changing everything in my classroom or my building or or something like that right yeah no i think you're absolutely right and and so and i guess what i was was seeing is that i, I felt so grateful to be uh, you know sort of given access to this community of academics who were doing these things and seeing what they were doing and they're doing great stuff but their their focus is 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 well, it's just like all, like all educational research, right? It, it's got to get adapted and implemented um, for for teachers to be able to use it. And so that that's where I came, uh, or that's where the idea came up that I really wanted to make gaming the past about. Okay, how do you go from? Sometimes I call it cradle to grave, but it's not cradle to grave. It's uh, you know, it's it's from <laughs> it's from inception to to implementation. Implementation. Yeah. So so I start with you know why do you even play simulation games? And and for me, um, I. I I have this sense that history needs to be promoted as this idea. I mentioned it before that it needs to be skill based, that we need to think about the way that um, video games allow us to visualize the past in new ways that just weren't possible 20 years ago, um, that we want students to think about different points of view, counterfactual history, stuff like that. So I start with that and then I say, OK, so once once we've got our, our sort of our head on straight, then how do we pick a game? Then how do we how do we actually manage the class and organize it? You know, how, how many computers are we going to have? How do we group people? What should they be doing during the play sessions? Um, and then I go from there into uh, what kind of uh, learning exercises can you do? What kind of assessments? Um, so, so do you? I'm, I'm assuming you play a lot of games. I you play know. so many games; it's not even funny. Yeah. So it's one of those things that 
and I think this is what makes it difficult for average edu- educators to to do this is the fact that we have a large tool belt of games that we can choose from some being very simple to the very complex and when we looked at something like civilization we saw the the potential for it and how it could be used and because j- i i'm assuming you started with your goal in mind what what do i want the students to know and then how can this will the what's the best tool that i can use and then part of your tools could be okay it's a textbook it's you know it's a video it's it's um, you know it's a story it's okay now i got all these games i can choose from too that kind of fit this this area and then that's I, i'm assuming that's when you decided okay yes civilization can be used uh, these are the things that it can help teach the students and then implement it from there. And that isn't, you're right, it's not a concrete set of, of guidelines for a teacher to, to pull up. Well, and I've, I've spent, I mean, gaming the past, I think I'm very proud of it, but it, you know, it's a snapshot from a moment in time from about when, whenever I stopped writing it. I mean, it got published a year ago, so maybe a year and a half ago I stopped writing on it. And, and so, and so what I've been doing every step of the way is really thinking about what these tools, these video games can do and, and trying to push myself to develop my own ideas. Uh, let me give you an example. I, I started simply with the idea of let's take a video game as an interpretation. And that's, and that's something that, that I'm not the first person who said that, but I'm probably the person who spent the most time saying that at conferences, is that um, games and history should be treated as texts. They should be treated as interpretations. Mm-hmm. So you don't take them and and just, you know, just like you, just like ideally, right? I mean, heaven forbid you take a textbook and say to a kid, here's the facts, just take it and go away. Uh, Jerry, well, what do we call that? <laughs> what do we call that? <laughs> Hemingway, come on. Oh, oh, crap detection. There oh, you go. that's Very good. right. I've been loving listening to that. Yeah, crap exactly. detection. Love well, it. So, well, so the same thing with games, right? The last <laughs> thing you need is a game to be developed that's just going to replace the textbook. So, so I started with that approach, and and you know, and I broke eggs. I really, I fooled around with this stuff. I've had the luxury to do it, and you know, I've been in a really supportive environment. Um, so I first started with, okay, if they're interpretations, let me find some other text or some other or, or some primary sources that can serve as a check on it. So my first group played Civilization Three, and then they read parts of this great book called Pre-Industrial Societies and tried to match it up. And then my real breakthrough, because Civilization, is, as you know from using it, it it's a bear because it's so big. Mm-hmm. Um, so my first my sort of first place where I really started to feel like I was making headway was with the demo of Rome Total War. Um, and, and, the, and the reason I love that is because they had the Battle of the Trebia right there for free on the demo. And, <laughs> and I'm an ancient Free's historian. Free's good. Yeah, free is great. And I'm an ancient historian by training. So I, I was able to pull up the accounts of the battle from the ancient guys, Polybius and Livy. And so my ninth mm-hmm. graders could play the battle, read the sources, and then sort of interpret. Um, so I started with that. That's cool. Yeah, and then that, and, that's go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry, and and, and then from there, um, I, I, that to me was great, but supplemental, and I really wanted to figure out. And I'm guessing you probably went through something like this too, where it's like you have to really rethink how you're going to do your lessons if you're going to devote serious time to these yeah. games. Yeah, and that's what's nice about Civilization; it's turn-based. You know, you can right. save it and, and you can come back to it the next day. That and so that gives you a broader 
time frame that you, in which you can play it. Um, and one-to-one would be a situation where the kids, if they really wanted to, they could go ahead and um, do that after school. Right, right. Oh, it, really enjoying it. So I think last week, Jerry, we talked about we talked about the professor from Augustana that talked about uncovering history. Yeah. And so do you see, uh, Jeremiah, do you see some of that within, you know, civilization, any of the games that you play that the kids see something go, Hey, that sounds pretty cool. I'm going to research that and go on my own and find out more information. Well, you know, I don't, I don't know how much that's happening now. I'm still hoping for it. Um, what I'm finding, and, and, and it's very interesting, and it may be, and I, I'd be curious about your, your thoughts on this. I think one of the things that does get hard about uh, finding specific implementations for teachers is we're still, ta- we're still so new at games and learning that we're mixing together what one might do in a middle school context versus one might, what might, one might do in a high school context. Yeah. Um, so. In my classes, I've got, you know, sort of a, a pretty deep, specific curriculum of, uh, 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 that, that we're supposed to go into, and we're supposed to do some pretty intensive uh, writing about sources and argumentation and things mm-hmm. like that. And so I don't – I struggle sometimes with, with, with finding enough time and space to really let my kids explore from the game. So I'm not yeah. sure I'm doing that as well as I could. I, I have this sense – tell me if you think I'm wrong – that in middle school, there's a little, little more freedom to do that because there's a sense that the skills are more uh, – interdisciplinary well and it's yeah definitely i mean i i totally look at social studies as i can teach everything uh it you know social studies is everything i can discuss math and science uh in the social sciences um and literature and and, and envelop that within my classroom i do have a guide i do have a pacing guide that i that i do follow right you know, I'm not at this point in time until Common Core comes out. I'm not tested, but those, the testing is is especially if it follows what language arts and and math is doing. It's based more on skills, and so I can work with those skills within the game, and kind of flesh those out. In fact, that's where the uncovering is. That, um, you know, one of the one of the stories I've I've told. I don't know if I've told within the podcast, but you know, I had a student that built, uh, you know, his civilization within a floodplain. Uh-huh. And I'm just like, what are you doing? You know, and he's yeah. like, I really made a mistake here. And and you know, and they finally, first of all, they recognized they made a mistake. And as time went on, though, within the game, he he rushed up to me and told me, Hey, we figured this out. I was able to do irrigation, and we were able to move the water off the land. And so he was able to through the game, he'd be able to problem solve. But he also understood what irrigation was and building dikes and canals was able to do with for his civilization. And he saw how it helped it out. So, you know, finding those ideas and then me as a guide, I can help, you know, and show them that, okay, let's compare this to what the Egyptians did. Let's compare this to what the Mesopotamians did and so on and so forth. And and they start making those connections. And what's wonderful, yeah, I, I do think I do, I, I do have more flexibility in how um, the, it is taught. I don't think – it sounds like you have far more rigid guidelines on um, you know, what is to be covered. And that, like I said, that term is starting to, starting to bother me <laughs> more well, I guess, as an historian. Yeah, I guess I wouldn't, I wouldn't say so much that. I, I think what it is is the, 
the it, it, it's not that you know because I'm in an independent school I'm not I'm not required to follow a, a, a specific state curriculum or, or, or anything like that but I think what it is is it's the natural tension that you always find between the interdisciplinary which middle school tends to be very interdisciplinary right. and yes. then the branching into disciplines and I'm ambivalent about that because see first and foremost I love teaching my kids about history and the discipline of history so but at the same time, I've found games drawing me more into wanting to do this kinds these these other things that you wouldn't necessarily do in a traditional history right. class. More systems analysis, more uh, science reasoning, things like that. So yeah, yeah, yeah. and it, it's it has been wonderful to see the students, especially the ones that really get into the game and, and play it outside of the classroom and they play it on their own. Mm -hmm. But they start making the connections to things that we discuss within the classroom. They will talk about um, Hammur you know, Hammurabi. They'll talk about the cons. They'll, t you know, the, the really, yep. it'll pop up in their head like, hey, I did this in the game. This is what was going on in the game, and that's what we're discussing here. And when those light bulbs go off, that's that's a wonderful time, as you well know. And you know, and you you said something about. Uh... Uh, about your your student who was in the floodplain, I think that's sort of where I am on my, my latest development of thinking about this. Is that, and this may sound obvious, but I, I've really been thinking, well, okay, a simulation game. We can talk about it being more uh, uh, more illustrative of what's going on, but in, in point of fact, a really great uh, uh, written account of something can be a great illustration. A picture mm -hmm. can be a great illustration. You know, so it's not necessarily that. And, you know, I've been going through the list and the thing for me that, that, that encapsulates what makes a sim game so powerful is choice. Mm -hmm. And so when your kid's in the floodplain and they choose that and then things don't work out very well, um, and then they, they work their way around it. That's great. Yeah. And, and yeah. that's what I'm finding. You know, I'll have my students play a city builder like Civ City Rome, and they might choose to, you know, uh, build too close to the rivers. Or they might ch uh, choose to invest too much in one type of agriculture, and then they see what the consequences yeah. are. Yeah, and, and even though it's, you know, yes, I can show pictures of flooding. I can show pictures of what happens if you don't have dikes and canals. Right. Uh, you know, I can I can show that. But when it actually happens to the student within the game, you know, they do take it personally. Yeah. They do no. take it personally. So uh, and then they, you know, that the failure, which is, you know, they're able to fail, but then possibly work themselves out of it. I got to uh, say, I'm impressed that. with your student who did that because I don't know about you, but that's one of my dirty little secrets is I tend to just start over again when I found I was <laughs> up in a bad situation. Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, it's it's they do learn fairly quick. And even though I tell them that, um, you know, they need to stick with it and that, that's fine. And I tell them failure is not a bad thing. You know, no, definitely not. From, and maybe you can work your way out. But, uh, you know, the students that I always tell them, give them you know words of advice um don't start wars early on in the game right, <laughs> you know right and uh you know you have a few and then they get all you know they're like oh my goodness we're being attacked from all angles and the barbarians are coming too and, and it's just like what did i tell you and then you know so i can tell them that but sometimes it's just fun to let them just go and do it on their own and and i think that's more meaningful Oh, those are the golden moments. Absolutely. I, I remember still very well. Uh, I, I go down to my colleagues in the eighth grade and, and use political machine, uh, which makes me wish I were, was an American history or U.S. history teacher, because that has got to be the easiest game in the world to throw in <laughs> front of students 
and they will learn something useful about the real world from it. I mean, it's amazing. Uh, but anyway, so this 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 uh, this couple of students were playing it and they ran out of money because they didn't do fundraising. And so you just get to have those conversations, right? Well, what happened? Well, we ran out of money. Yeah. Uh, why didn't you do fundraising? Well, we decided to do this instead. Okay, that's great. Next time, you know, maybe try a balance. Yeah, and it, you know, what's you say, you know, because we both teach ancient civilizations. The I still work on because our state standards, because we don't have the Common Core for Soul Studies yet. State standards still talk about making connections to American history. So okay. we have, you know, an election this fall, and iCivics, of course, has their new election uh, right. with race to the White House uh, and other. Uh, items on there that uh, other games uh, that deal with the court systems um, and government in general and having the kids play those and then making connections to what we've learned within Greece and Rome and during the Middle Ages that's that's fun too so I kind of I'm a little sneaky about it and, and yeah. I play it anyway because I do enjoy I enjoy all history oh, so, absolutely. <laughs> so you, you got the book okay that's um, and then we have your problem spaces Oh yeah, so where where I am now, and I've got a I've got an article coming out in the history teacher next year, I think. Th these take a long time to come out. It's kind of funny, um, I, I, and I've been writing online a little bit about this. Um, I've been taking this idea of problem spaces, or maybe historical problem spaces, and using it as as sort of a, 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 a catch-all term for what I think the real value of simulation games is in in the history class. Um, and and I just realized I should probably define that. Um, there are all sorts of great uses of games in the classroom, and and I have no problem with any of them. The one that fascinates me the most is the idea of the simulation game, and. And what I mean by that is not like the hardcore flight simulator or mechanical system or something like that, but really any game that makes a reasonable claim about the past in a, or to represent the past. So if you can make a case that the game portrays the past somewhat legitimately, I'm willing to call it a simulation game. Because um, I found it's not really that practical to argue about what is and what isn't a simulation game. So if you want Monopoly to be a simulation game because you think it makes a, a basic reasonable argument about uh, about capitalist economics, that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> you know that you know, we can you know I mean and then I'll let individual teachers decide about whether they want to use that yeah. or not. Yeah. Yeah, and, it, and, and you use the best tool that is is right for you. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Even though that Monopoly now has a credit card machine, <laughs> I will never play that one. And it I does? like the paper money. Yes, it does. Um, it has a debit card or credit card. You get, like you mortgages swipe it. too. Oh, I, yeah, I saw that, and I'm just like, really. I, I guess that's with the times. It's not like you know I don't use Quicken or something you know uh, for my accounting. Yeah, I don't know. Guess that when just you thought me. you'd never get old, right? And all yeah, <laughs> I'm not old. I am not old. I teach middle school. It's all good. Easy. So, um, what's we that, Jerry? Nothing. Stop it, Jerry. No. Okay. So. Oh, so problem, so problem spaces. Yeah. Right. Okay. So, um, I take this term problem spaces, and it's got about a, about a 40 year old history um, in education, and I'm not really using it the way they are. So, um, so. I'm basically taking some of what they've got and a little bit of inspiration from Kurt Squire and Henry Jenkins' article from years ago on uh, games as contested spaces, um, and and basically saying, okay, ga um, simulation games represent the world in terms of historical problem spaces. This is what I mean. I mean mm -hmm. they have players with roles and goals. 
that have make choices and form strategies about those about how to reach those goals. Um, and then the environment they're in, which is a spatial environment, right? You got a real physical, I mean, it's not a real physical world, it's digital, but you know, you represent geography and things like that. Right. And that space give has things that help them reach their choice and make their choices and helps them reach their goals and hinders them in reaching their goals. So, mm -hmm. I, and I call, I, I take, other people's language and call it affordances for the help and and I forget like limitations for the limits. Okay, this isn't probably very shocking to anybody, right? You take take our our old favorite civilization. Your 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 role is weird, right? Because you're some sort of undying king or something. <laughs> yes, yeah. You you are the Rousseauian will of the people or whatever, governing through six thousand years. Yes. Um, but your goals, right, are many are, are manyfold. They can be winning through culture. Or they can, you know, they, they can be uh, growing your empire. They can be trying to outproduce, etc. Yeah. Right. And then geography, basically, right? Geography uh, and political and 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 sort of resource geography, terrain. All of these things are 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 what help you and hinder you. Um, and, and and so okay, we we've got that. And in political machine, right? You're a campaign manager, and so on, and so on. Okay. Well, so what that's leading me to think, though, is that history itself or the past itself can really be effectively studied by students when they think about it in terms of problem spaces. And I don't know that we do that very much. And I'm playing with that. This will be my first year really kind of launching that in my classroom. But why don't we take you know, take your Hammurabi, right? Let's let's talk about what we might learn from the evidence we're reading and stuff. What would be his role, his goals? What things would help him? What things would hinder him? You know, so everything from being in a pre-industrial society where there's very little surplus agriculture and there's nothing but mud to build things and nobody can read, right? Uh, and 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 the help things are things like, well, he, he at least has access to those resources and he claims to be chosen by the gods and, and, and so on and so on. I think that simulation games start to naturally ask us to teach and talk about history in different ways. And so this idea of a problem space to me is becoming, it's just an interesting thing I'm playing around with is maybe a way to, 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 well, let, let me, let me, uh, uh, bring this up. You, you had a guest who, who I will not name cause they're a lovely person, I'm sure. And, and, this was, <laughs> and this was not, and this was not what the conversation was about in the slightest. So no fault or anything like that. Okay. But they said something along the lines of the problem with teaching math is, um, it's, uh, a lot of people consider it's like teaching history, just content. And I'm paraphrasing here. Okay. For so many people, teaching history is just teaching content, and I'm trying to find yes. ways of breaking out of that. So that's yeah. why that's why I'm yeah. not naming anybody because I totally yeah. understood where they were coming from. It made, hmm. but that's not what we're trying to do, right? Right. And that's what skills. and that's what the uncovering of history, you yeah. know, finding the past, and then you know how I break down civilization to the you know the culture, civics, people, and geography, and it's one of those things that if you can, it doesn't matter if the game is or their scenarios historically accurate. It yeah. still goes over the same themes and ideas that talk about the building blocks of civilization. And right. I think that's I think that's very in, important. So they can look at 
you know, a scenario in the present and then see that, you know, okay, this form of government, uh, these things within our culture, if we don't have these things, we're not going to be as successful. If we, you know, limit ourselves to, um, you know, these areas within our, our populace, then um, we are not going to be an advanced civilization. Um, and then the uncovering is when they just start discovering things on their own and really going out and mo that motivation of, and that's Jerry's a big Daniel Pink fan, is that motivation of, of doing things without any type of reward except for feeling good. Yeah. And I think that's, I think that's very important. And that's what I've seen with this game. It's just one tool though. It's one tool. It's not the tool for every student. It's not the tool for every teacher. No, you're absolutely right. But it's it's one that I've seen it work and the kids get excited about it and they really they go the extra mile and enjoy it. And that's and get excited about learning. And I think that's what excites us about using games in the classroom. Oh, I think you're right, and 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 you've made that point several times about the right tool for the job, and I, you yeah. know, I agree. It's so critical. If you're if, yeah, I, I always. But it's like, not the end all be all, and, and that's it's it's, it's not. what it's you know the iPad comes out. Oh, we got to get iPads in the classroom. Right. This is the next best thing. No, it, you know, it's a it's a tool, and it's a good tool. It's not for everything. And games, I think people are looking for the um, the golden ticket, the answer yeah. to all things that we're going to use games for education, and we don't need to do anything else. I think maybe holograms, which talked we talked about before. <laughs> yeah. You know, you know the you know going into the holodeck oh, yeah, uh, in Star Trek. Yeah, I, I think that's I think that's the ultimate goal. Is well, you know. Going you know, into Rome uh, and seeing this battle and seeing it as as a uh, as a hologram, I, I pff, that's oh, I pretty agree. cool. Interacting with it, but that's well, a whole other topic. Well, you know, it's interesting because <laughs> I always make the I, I guess I, I always kind of go back to when you're talking about you know you, you don't want to you don't want to throw everything out, right? I mean, text, written text, spoken yes. text, images are important. The simplest example I have of that is we're doing this speaking right we didn't create a video game version of our conversation today <laughs> good and, I, and i think there's probably good reasons for that it wouldn't have been very clear what we were trying to get across and we weren't trying to do it as a sort of exploratory system i guess right jerry likes the uh versions of second life where people meet in a classroom <laughs> right oh god right. yeah <laughs> virtual world we go into a virtual world which is fantastic and then people create classrooms <laughs> 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 yeah, that's we know we're not what so we do. what are what are some projects that are on your uh radar that you're kind of uh working on okay well one of the things i'm, I'm really excited about is i i've uh, joined up with the learning games network to to do some work with them they're they're a great organization in um cambridge mass they're they're a, a non-profit spin-off um from mit's education arcade um, and, and one of the things they're doing, I'll just give sort of a quick bill to them because, you know, they're, they're developing a lot of this, this and I'm still learning the ropes. Um, but they're, they're really working on creating a playful learning community. And, and what they conceive of that is, and I'm, I'm just so very excited, is bringing together teachers and game developers and students to create what they call a knowledge base, which, which just, you know, it'll be a web presence, ideally with with reviews of games, discussion forums, practical advice for teachers, um, really kind of moving towards this, uh, what I was trying to do with gaming in the past, which is have a place where teachers can go talk to other teachers, see 
what's being used and actually be able to download things like lesson plans and things like that. So it's still it's still in the planning stages, but I'm very excited about that. Um, so that that's something um, you know that's that's really big on my list. Um, and then I'm going around and, and doing my speaking route to various places, whoever will listen to me. But I got to tell you, some of the big things I'm I'm, I'm excited about are, are things I'm doing in my own classroom. I'm uh-huh. really looking forward to getting into this uh, problem spaces more. Um, and, and and I've got to select the year's games, too, right? I've got to figure out what I'm going to be doing for the yeah. I, I, should, I should probably do that. I think I'm going to go Stronghold. Uh, you ever played Stronghold? Mm. Uh, no. And I've, I've seen it. I've been wanting to play it. Um, Good old yeah, I understand it. the concept. Good old, games has it, good old Games has it for $4.99 now. Oh, geez. Actually, it's, run two nine, it's $2.99 for the next uh, week or two, but $4.99 by the time you would order it for I, Classroom. I thought Steam had it on sale. Stronghold 3, is that the newest? Yeah, and that, I guess that really didn't get a good reception. Um, <laughs> so I, I haven't played it myself. I was doing Stronghold 2. Um, actually, this is a good case in point. The reason I'm going to go with Stronghold 1 this year is that it does what I need it to do, basically the same stuff, but without the 3D rendering, and it's a lot cheaper. So yeah. so no, so why sense. not? Um, but it's it's a medieval manor sort of castle building simulation. Yeah. Um, and I've really I, I love Civ and I still use it, but I'm a big fan of games that are more targeted where you can focus on something like the medieval matter, manor or Roman battle or something like that. Well, that's the end of the year for me. So I'd have some time to <laughs> to look into that. Uh, you, you know, you've listened to some of the uh, topics that we've had in the past and Minecraft is one that I really um I'm excited about because it's, you know, I can I can basically the kids can actually use it to demonstrate whatever unit we're on because they can build anything, anything they put their mind to. So and that's awesome. And I I would be curious to know if there were some if there were some high school history teachers who were using that. I would love to know because I I, I can't get my head around how to do it. And I want to because I, I, I bet you could do a little search. And yeah, you're right. <laughs> but it's right. a quick search because I bet it's being done. It's like, and I know <laughs> Minecraft. Minecraft EDU uh, with Joel Levin. Uh, there's resources on that website, and probably just lead it to. He he said it the best. Is just like, well, whatever you're looking for, just <laughs> and just just look it up. You know, oh, just you're right. Absolutely right. So uh, there's yeah, there's a lot out there. I'm, you could castle. That's simple. You could have them build a castle. That's that's no problem there. Um, that would be very interesting to see. But also as a as a tool to show to give a product uh, to show their learning. That's right, that's kind right. of what I'm just like, man, if I had this when I was growing up, because I use Legos all the time growing up. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So it was a lot of fun, a lot of fun. So you those. Yeah. So the games that you want to use, Stronghold is one that you're thinking about using this year. What are some of the others that you've really enjoyed using or are games that you're planning on using? For... Well, I like Civilization Four a lot. Um, now, now basically, the the trick for me has been to to teach the kids to play it early and then go back to it. Awesome. Yes. Yep. That's, you know, I yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. Right. Anybody who's learned how to use this, you, you just can't, you cannot say I'm going to spend three days on civilization and then be done. Um, it, it takes that long. It takes more than that to learn it. So, so I've used, um, I, in a, <laughs> I've used a week. <laughs> I've, I've used five days to have the kids 
play because what happens is that uh, a lot of times they lose. You know, they, they fail, and that's fine. They restart it. Um, but I have activities to go along with it. And, yes, I totally refer to it. I use screenshots throughout the year. Hey, do you remember when this happened? Uh, do you remember seeing this? Do you remember doing that? Do you want to share, you know, what you did? Um, it's totally it's, – it's wonderful to go back and refer to it and then also play it, you know, throughout the year and use different simulations for that time period. You know uh, what? scenarios for it. One of the things I did get to do, and I wish I had more of this resource. I, I had a student from a year ago, uh, just great kid, brilliant, loved, loved using the game. Um, and, and for some reason, I can't remember what discussion got this, but he was willing to design me a map of ancient Greece. Yeah. Um, in Civ. And what was great was then the next year I was able, I guess this was this year. I was able to take that map Mm-hmm. Give it to my kids and just have them write a reflective essay before we got to the Greeks and say, let's suppose this geography is reasonably accurate for ancient Greece. In in, in Civ game terms, what would we expect to see happen? And, right. they, you know, and they were able to dead on get it, right? You'd expect a conflict over resources. There wouldn't be much stuff around. Seafaring would be important. It'd be hard to communicate, um, things like that. So I would love it. I don't have it, but I would love it if I had, you know, a, a Mesopotamia Civ, ma- Civ map. They're out there. You, yeah. you just get, Civ Fanatics, uh, the Civ Fanatics website has tons of resources. I'll have to check so that out. You'll I've have never to been check a big fan of the of the sort of the big the regular world map they put in. Like it's fine, but it's so uh, you know having an Italy with three squares of, of of land on it doesn't seem to be that useful for me. So <laughs> yeah. random maps are I I yeah. love random. That's what I do. I really love doing that. So, what other games? Okay, so uh, other games. So, in my ancient, in, in my ancient sort of world history class, we'll do civilization and some city builder. We'll either do Civ City Rome. I keep thinking I need to sort of move up. I've played with Imperium Romanum a little, which is another city builder, and I just haven't decided yet. You know, a lot of it comes down to um, because our students purchase them as 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 textbooks, it comes down to what's affordable. I, I want to keep things very, very inexpensive. So they actually purchase. So it's almost like college class. You know, you you're in this class. You got to purchase this for this uh, this game for this class. Yeah, and 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 what happens is, you know, that that's the standard model for for this school with purchasing textbooks. And because I'm out on the edge, some you know, saying, hey, let's do this <laughs> instead of a textbook. Yeah. I try to be very careful about not you know not being unreasonable so i try to keep the games at 10 or 15 dollars and do one or two and uh you know show them the sales yeah yeah <laughs> exactly exactly here's a coupon use this coupon exactly no i do and i think you can get it on amazon you can get it on good old games you can get it on steam uh and it's worked well um so so anyway so a couple other games um uh um nitro games which is a i believe they're a swedish developer was kind enough to give me uh free copies of east india company so oh. i'm going to use that again you ever played east india company no i know the is, is there a board game there might be this is basically it, it's a neat game it's 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 a real-time strategy it's it's from parad uh, i think paradox publishes do you know anything about paradox games yeah, yeah so it's it's that sort of complicated real-time slow but this is actually not as complicated you basically uh have one port city in in europe and then any number of asian trading posts and you're building ships and trading back and forth um i like to use that one because it really gets into the time and distance um of travel it gets into the idea that you know exotic goods for the east are fetching a bigger price in the west than vice versa um and then the other thing i like is it leaves out all 
the 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 tragedies of East India companies going in and taking over uh, Asian economies. And, and that may seem like an odd statement, but what we do then is do reading and research and about that. And it's a great way. I, I love to have these sort of opportunities for my students to be empowered and say, hey, that's not what was really going on. Why'd they leave that out? You know, I, I think it's a very powerful thing that they can criticize it. Very cool. Very cool. So Jerry? East, yeah. Oh, go ahead. Oh, no, keep go ahead. going. Oh, I got yeah, I got more games. Uh, so East India, <laughs> <laughs> the last the last big one I'm going to try is uh, Crusader Kings, the the first version from Paradox, and yeah, that I'm doing it. I tried it last year. I'm going to try it again this year. I'm doing it mostly to see if it can be done because <laughs> it's so complicated. But I think it's one of those things where the game plays itself. If you if you don't touch it, it will still run. So I'm trying to find ways to leverage that as something where where students can really just sort of observe it and see what's going on, and as they get comfortable, manipulate it more. Very cool, Jerry. Yes. Do you have any, do you have any questions, Jerry? <laughs> no, you know what I uh, I love listening to this stuff because I think <laughs> well I think uh, there are two categories that work. I actually think there are three three categories that work insanely well with both games and the area that I focus on, virtual worlds in the classroom, and one is history, one is foreign language, and the other is obviously the arts. So, um, you know, I've, I've had actually a, a ton of history teachers talk to me because I, some of the best examples I give of virtual worlds are, you know, I, th I think I've brought this one up a few times, but it was like, instead of teaching kids about, um, you know, World War II and, and Germany and stuff like this, you can, you know, there, there used to be this huge virtual world where you could go literally see the streets of Germany, like the bombed yeah. out streets and, and wow. uh, all this fighting and then you could walk up to like a um a youtube screen that was on a on a wall and watch a small video about it you know or go to like bombed out london this person had a huge museum inside there was very cool stuff and it gets a little bit away from the game gaming end but you know we talk so much about simulations that i kind of wanted to throw that into yeah they're such a those three categories the communication of foreign language the history and the visual histories of of history classes and then obviously the visual end of the arts i think they come together so well with yes. games and virtual you know, worlds yeah you know i think that's i think that's really critical jerry there's a like sort of if you jump you know to the the academic layer of history if you will i mean one of the one of the big things people are talking about is digital history and and, and one of the big things in there is is uh, visualizing history I have, a, mm -hmm. I have a friend named uh, david staley who's wrote a book i think it's called visualizing history that's going to get reprinted maybe in a year or something i don't even know if it's out now and and we've talked a lot and 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 there's something just so powerful about the tools we have now to visualize the past. And, and we're so wedded to this idea that we should be just reading about it because mm. that's all we could do. But we, we have the tools now to do these amazing visualizations. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I had a student in an evaluation say to me once, it was great. It was something I'm, I'm, I'm going to get it not quite right, but it was an evaluation. It was something like history's easier to see when it's right in front of you, <laughs> you know, or something like or easier to visualize when it's right in front of you. Maybe that was it. But brilliant. You need yeah. a little poster yeah. and have that up in your room. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, some of the some of the higher order skills that we're asking for today, because when so much of the rote memorization falls to the side, especially for something that used to be so stereotyped into that, you know, something yeah. like history and art history was that way, too. It was like memorize the date of this painting, you uh. know, and, like that used to happen. But but the arts, the arts take that next step by, you know, um, okay so paint something in this theme you know what yeah. creation 
that higher level outside the class thinking skills. Like how do, how do you now analyze this and then create something from that era? And I think in history, at least from my perspective and things that I've always seen, it was kind of like, it was either kind of like a role play, you know, like let's role play from that era or let's yeah. act out a character from that era or let's write a paper from that era. Mm-hmm. And now you have this opportunity for students to create from that era, you know, create visually, you know, whether it's on a game platform or in a virtual world, create visually from that era, you know, just a totally new um, outlook. I like that. You know, it's funny. You just said that and it it brought it up. I mean, one of the things I do, I I didn't bring it up here because it's not, it's not digital as much, but I, I do a a simulation design class and we do paper prototyping because that, that does, makes the technology not a barrier, but I agree (laughs) with you. I mean, there, there, there is a, I want history to be so much more of a creative act than, than, than it traditionally has been. Uh-huh. Yeah, and I think game games are helping us do that. You know, every great game that comes out now, the next call is for hey, open source it so we can get our hands on it and then oh, yeah. create. You know, that's like the that's like the new cult status is like when something goes big, well then come on, you know, open source it so we can all get at it. Yeah. Great I mean, tool. and that's right. I mean, that's the thing, right? Is like the tools we that are, are are getting more powerful, but we're still not there. You know, you talked about the holodeck or, or you know holograms. I mean, yeah. boy, wouldn't it be great if we had the holodeck where you live? I, I assumed they always said they programmed those right on Star Trek by just saying, yeah. ah, well, I want the twenties and I want this clothing." So, <laughs> I mean, wouldn't that be amazing if you could start having students do that? You know, research it carefully. You got to yep. still go through the historical evidence, and it's probably going to be in text for most periods. Um, and 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 well and and of course visuals and 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 but then create this yeah there's still programming thing. involved in star trek I, i'm geeky enough to know that is there you okay still you still have programs you can adjust things but yeah there's still programming involved in um and there's good programming and bad programming right and that's where it goes say. wrong right and then the, yeah. they start to kill uh, you yeah, the that's, that's, yeah that's not good that's, <laughs> bad. that's a bad time must be where the bad programming yeah bad programming <laughs> Or data messes up something now. He's he's an Android. He's good. The bullets so. are real now. Yeah. They're, yeah, watch out. Uh, <laughs> safeties are off. <laughs> That's right. That's okay. right. Um, wow. Oh, dear. Okay. Oh, dear. Okay, so... Um, that can be edited, last, right? Any, yeah. Any last uh, things you want to share, Jeremiah? Uh, I'm I just... Thanks for having me on. It's been great talking about this stuff. Um, you know, if if uh, hopefully lots of people are listening and just shoot me an email sometime, jmc.hst at gmail.com and let me know what you're doing and how I can help. I love to talk shop. Awesome. And then we'll put that in the show notes also. Uh, so we'll have that out there. I do want to mention before uh, my last little blurby thing here is that Ed Gamer is at Gen Con. I didn't want to say anything before, Jerry, because it was on the website, but uh, it went out there, so I tweeted that out. Oh, great. And so, uh, do you know Gen, Gen Con? Yeah, never never been, but yeah, it's, it's Mecca. I played Dungeons... Oh, shoot, that's going to get on there, too. I played Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> it's all right. It's all right. We, yeah, I, I did, too. There's a lot of people. You I know. still have my first 20-sided die. Uh, I still, <laughs> yeah, I have mine. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, when I pull those out in the classroom. I have tons of different dice, and the kids are like... Why do you have a twenty side die? What's a twelve? Why do you have a nine? What's you know they're looking at all these dice and it's like, uh, yeah, certain games I played. Fighter hit points, cleric hit points. Come on. Very good. So yes, we're we're presenting at uh, at Gen Con and then we'll be there for a couple days to play some games, get some interviews and meet with some people there. So I just wanted to mention that. Uh, So if you're heading to Indianapolis, uh, you'll have to hunt us down and find us, and uh, we'll be around. 
we'll be around out there. You can definitely tweet us while we're there, but we, we still got a few weeks, so I'm sure we'll talk about that again. But thank you for listening to this week's Ed Gamer podcast. Please follow us on edreach.us and also follow all the great podcasts and blog posts on the EdReach Network. Have a great week. Thanks, guys. Again. Thanks.